Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. It's the one movie that I can recommend to fellow critics, you know, because mm-hmm. it won Sundance, but, um, or, or just, uh, you know, my family, friends, mainstream people that aren't even really huge into movies, they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, I just saw Coda and you were right. It was so, so, it was so uplifting. So I, what kind of walks that line, line perfectly. As um, opposed I, to hearing from people who saw The Power of the Dog. And right. come back and say, well, what was that? The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, folks, you've just heard a quote from Jason Fraley from last week talking about CODA, which he and I are big fans of. And we'll see what happens to CODA. Meantime, I'm Arch Campbell, and here we are with Lou Katz in the control room at Hound Radio. Everything is all set. The tape recorders are loaded. (laughs) The splicing tape is all set, just in case we have to edit. Yes, have you got the seven second delay? And I have these, I have for you the 14 second delay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me introduce my guests today because I'm very excited to be able to talk with them. First, she's known for years as the movie mom, She is also one of the founders of the Washington Area Film Critics Association. She reviews for RogerEbert.com and several other places. Please welcome Nell Minow. Yeah, hang on now. Dear friend. Thank you. Glad to be back. And speaking of dear friends, with Nell, the president of the Washington Area Film Critics Association. He's also the head of the Lakefront Film Festival in Columbia, Maryland. You see him on WETA's TV around town, Mr. Tim Gordon. Yeah, Tim. And Tim, so great to see you again. I miss you. I miss seeing everybody at the movies. I, I as well. And I did a show, a podcast about that last week. So I'm glad to hear you acknowledge that. Now, speaking of acknowledging, let's start with Nell. And our first question always is, what are you watching? So, Nell, what do you like these days? You know, uh, I'm going to say something that I have not said before. I usually talk about movies, but right now my favorite things are on television. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of things I've really gotten into. I'm crazy about the show After Party, uh, which Uh is a murder mystery. And each episode, you get to hear the events of the night from a different perspective and a different style. So one one version is a romantic comedy, one version is a rap battle, and I just am enjoying it so much. Any one of you could be the murderer, and I want to hear your story. The same thing could happen, but you see it in a different way. Tiffany Haddish is the detective who's trying to solve the crime, so I'm I'm loving that. Then there's a, a show I haven't heard anybody talk about that I'm also crazy about. It's called uh, True Stories with Ed and Randall. And Ed Helms mm. and Randall Park are the hosts. And people come on and tell their stories. And these are some crazy stories. And they have actors <laughs> acting them out. Where and when does this story begin? In Nebraska. Alexandria, Virginia. Right. It's typo, obviously. And I just said, count me in. Whoa, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on, I thought you were Dungeons and Dragons guys. Tell you. My favorites are the very first episode, which is the true story of a guy who not only snuck into the Super Bowl, but he <laughs> snuck in to the locker room afterward. And the story is so wild and so over the top. And the best part is when he gets to telling the part about his conversation with Terry Bradshaw, 
<laughs> actual Terry Bradshaw comes in and plays himself. No. And then the no. last episode is just absolutely hilarious about a guy who wants to get his pregnant girlfriend's favorite dessert that she has a craving for. And uh, it's just wonderful. So love no. that show. And who, then who's you, carrying that? Where is that? That is on Peacock, I think. Really? Yeah, oh. that's with Ed Helms and Randall Park, and and uh -huh. they and they are not told ahead of time anything about the story they're about to hear. <laughs> so it, it is. I, I can't. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's just wonderful. And then, uh, have you heard about Murderville on Netflix? No. Oh my gosh! I blitzed through that entire show. It's so funny. It's it's about a detective, and he has to solve a murder every week. But each week they have a different celebrity guest star who knows nothing about the script, who just shows up <laughs> and they take them over to talk to the to forensics and everything. And they just have to wing it. And they've got Conan O'Brien and some very famous football player who I never heard of because I don't know anything about football, but he was really great. <laughs> and and wow. Young and uh, Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. And it's very, very funny. You ready to solve a crime? Ready. Scream it! I'm ready to solve a crime! Let's go! If we're gonna crack this case, we're gonna need to go deep undercover. Don't get caught. Wow, and uh, by the way, the after party, I'm trying to remember, is that on Apple? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, it's on it's Apple. It's on Apple, yeah. 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 Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. Well, that's three good uh, picks. How, how about you, Tim? What are you watching? Well, I actually had started watching the after party and I think I, I didn't necessarily tap out. It's just too much stuff to watch. So I'm like, no, I uh, started watching that one and, and didn't finish it. Um, I started watching Jack Reacher. So I'm the kind of guy that if I start something, I have to finish it no matter if it takes me five, six, seven hours. So Jack Reacher was absolutely fantastic. Um, I just finished Inventing Anna, which mm -hmm. also was it was really, really interesting. Um, and then last but not least, um, I started watching the first three episodes on Peacock of Bel Air, the uh, reimagining mm. of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And that yeah. is really, really well done. It's much better than I thought it was going to be. So here's the story. Came to Bel Air for a better education. Simple. Be patient. Give this a real chance. We have a different set of rules here, okay? If you want to do well, just keep your head down and follow my lead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And to Nell's point, um, and we'll talk about it a little later, we're in January, February, March right now, movies. So, of course, we're going to focus a lot on what's streaming because there's not a lot to see in theaters. I mean, there is stuff to see in theaters, but not stuff that's good in theaters these days. <laughs> So I, I will call it like I see it. You guys will be politically correct. You know these movies are bad right now and we will be for the next month and a half. So yes, we're we're heavy in the streaming right now. Now Bel Air got kind of mixed reviews or a mixed response, didn't it? Uh, well, not in my house it didn't. Okay. All right. <laughs> Everybody here loved Bel Air. Um, I, I thought I think it's it's more of an adult uh, reimagining. It's much darker, or as somebody explained. If you look at a coin, it's the other side of the Bel Air coin, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air mm -hmm. story. So I thought Julia Garner did a very good job in the uh, in the the story about Anna Delvey, but I, and she's terrific. I thought the 
adaptation was not everything that I wanted it to be because it's such a crazy story, but I thought she was really good. And I also wanna say that I, it, it's not on yet, but it's coming. Uh, Lincoln's Dilemma is coming a four part oh, series. Oh yeah, I watched yeah. a couple of those. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's good. That is good. And <laughs> that's going to be good. on the History Channel. No, that's that's Apple. That's Apple. Oh and, yeah, and Apple. The thing I want to say about it is that we're living in such a scary time now with the repression of history in schools that it was very heartening to me to see this story told with so many black historians talking about black people whose histories have not been included in this era just before in the beginning part of the civil war and just it added so much context and richness and depth what we're seeing today is dramatic evidence of what happens when you fail to talk honestly about your history lincoln is talking about doing something pretty radical here something really important inside of him was opening up he was trying to navigate the currents of really irreconcilable ideas you know to have uh leslie odom jr and bill camp doing the voices just thought it was really well done I agree. wow I agree. Okay, now I found one movie that I really like that opened this week, and it is a foreign film, The Worst Person in the World, from um, Norway, I think. It's in Danish, and it's the story of a young woman trying to find her way uh, in the world. She's in her 20s, and everything, she'll, she'll go one direction and then change her mind, and then uh, her relationships uh, change, and... Uh, and I I enjoyed every every minute of it. I I was totally with it the whole way. Uh, and it is it's subtitled. It's in Danish. Have either one of you seen the worst person in the world? I have not seen it, but I've not it, seen it either. I have heard only ecstatic things about it, and it got a number of Oscar nominations, didn't it? It, mm -hmm. it including uh, best original screenplay. Yeah. Uh, and it's in the foreign film uh, area. Uh, it's in about four theaters in Washington and probably a few theaters around the country, but I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've heard such good things about it. I'm trying to watch The Gilded Age. I'm watching it. <laughs> I I want to like it. <laughs> it's that Julian Fellows thing. It's New York in the uh, end of the 18th century and it's old money versus new money and it's HBO Max and Carrie Coons is uh, the new money trying to break in with Mrs. Astor and 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 there's uh, there's several interesting subplots including the story of a young uh, black woman from uh, a quite wealthy family and uh, I don't know I keep watching it uh, Sometimes it's a little thin. <laughs> you know, I'm hoping for the best. I, I don't think it's a particularly good show, but I have to say I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, some of the characters in it are real life characters. The 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 black publisher that we just met um, right. who was a real life character. I want to learn more about him, and I'm very interested in that era because, like the time we're in now, there were a few very very wealthy people and uh there's a lot of income inequality and that led to a lot of changes which are now being reversed so i think there are some parallels there but also you know the people who call it 
wealth porn are not off the map in terms of just the magnificence of the homes and the clothes. Uh, it is really something to see. So I can't say that I think it's a particularly good show, but I am watching it and I'll continue to watch it. I think I'm watching it because there's not much else on. <laughs> well, there there no. is an interesting article about how the entire cast basically are Broadway veterans. Uh -huh, and they're not uh -huh. people that we're necessarily very familiar with, uh, except for Christine Bransky uh -huh. and Cynthia Nixon and Carrie Coon. But they're Audrey all- McDonald. You know, Audrey McDonald, I mean, you know, you yeah, couldn't get yeah. a more awarded person from Broadway than Audrey McDonald. I always figure, though, that it's a waste of time to have her in anything where she's not singing. Uh, yeah. 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 But, but she's great in it. And 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 that's Meryl Streep's daughter, by the way, playing the young woman mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. her aunts. Any thoughts on Death on the Nile, which opened this week? No. And <laughs> you know, I have. <laughs> go ahead, Arch. You, you go first. I, I have a thought. <laughs> I just, I just don't care. <laughs> Pretty just, much. I know uh, it's over at the Avalon Theater. I want to go down and see that and support the Avalon. And I just. <laughs> I think that I was very disappointed with Kenneth Branagh's. Uh, adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express. Uh -huh. And so I had a lot of trepidation going into this one. I think that he he made the same very bad miscalculation with this one that he did with that one, which is that we're really not interested in the origin story of Hercule Poirot. He does not exist as a character for us to be interested in his backstory. We uh -oh. really just want him to be there to solve the crime, just like Sherlock Holmes. We don't need to know Sherlock Holmes's backstory either. And so we we spend much too much time on that. And yet, you know, it's less of it than we did with um, Murder on the Orient Express. I will say, and I'm not damning with faint praise here when I say that it is gorgeous. I mean, the cinematography yeah. and the settings and the costumes are fabulous. You know, this story has been filmed once before, and it's hard to beat a right. cast that included uh, Betty Davis. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was Perot the first time? I was trying to remember. Was it Peter Ustinov? Ma yeah, ma that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so he's been played by so many different people, David Suchet and, you know. But so I thought it was a little bit better than Murder on the Orient Express and still not that great. I told you guys at the top of the show that these movies were bad and you laughed. Yeah. <laughs> I was being I was being harsh. So, what about can we talk about Marry Me? Nobody wants to talk about that one. I'm loving uh, talking about Marry. I gave it a B plus review. I gave it a three and a half really? star. Really? Yeah. Really? Let me just say for the okay. record for people listening at home, Nell is the eternal cinema optimist. <laughs> Nell love movies that nobody else loves. Now, now let's How many times you can watch J Lo do that? Jennifer Lopez. It's Jennifer Lopez, and yeah. it's uh, streaming. What's it yeah. on? It's on uh, Par Paramount. Paramount. Paramount Plus. Plus. So I yeah, I think it might. Was oh, that Peacock too? Or I'm not sure. No, it's very hard to remember all all these different <laughs> outlets. It really is hard to. All keep right, up. you go tell me why you didn't like it, and then I'll tell you why I did. 
Oh, I'll tell you exactly why I didn't like it because I've seen her play that role like 18 times, made in Manhattan. <laughs> right. Uh, it's the same character. It's a, a different variation of the same character. Okay. That, that's my issue with it. I mean, okay, like, like this, this is the one, she's a superstar and yeah. uh, her fiance dumps her. And so she picks a guy she, out of the audience. Uh, has yeah. a no, she dumps him. She dumps him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, she dumps she, him and then picks a guy. She, she marries a random guy in the audience. That's right. Who happens to be Owen Wilson. She is literally (laughs) about to walk on stage to marry her boyfriend in front of a streaming crowd of 20 million people when she discovers he's been cheating on her. So instead, she just goes, all right, I'll marry you. And she picks a guy out of the audience and and they do a wedding ceremony, which, of course, is not legal because they don't have a license or anything. And the officiant says, you know, do you... Cad Valdez take some guy to be uh-huh. your lawful one. <laughs> anyway. I'm told that um, 20 million people are supposed to watch as we take our vows. They say if you want something different, you have to do something different. Why not? Yes, I'll marry you. Do you, some guy, take Cat to be a lawfully wedded wife? Okay. This is what I did like about it. Uh, let's talk about the fact that we've got two people in their 50s playing people in their 30s and they talk about <laughs> way with it, which is fine. Um, right. I liked it because of what it didn't have. There are a lot of, it's very, very hard to make a good romantic comedy. And mm-hmm. it's especially hard to do it without totally cringy, stupid misunderstandings and unbelievably right. immature right. and contrived behavior. None of that in this movie. These are two grown-ups. They are not stupid. Yes, there is a crazy run to the airport in Stiletto, which is kind of a, a romantic comedy convention. But J-Lo gets to do what she does best. She performs several numbers, all of which I thought were very good. And it's a, it's a very grown-up relationship, which we don't get to see that often in romantic comedies. You know, it's interesting. For last weekend, which, which was Valentine's Day, we had a couple of romantic comedies. Uh, well, we had two romantic comedies and one romantic tragedy. So we also had uh, the breaking up one, I Want You Back, with Jenny Slate and Charlie Day, who, most important thing they have in common, they both have a very unusual husky and sometimes squeaky voices. And that's that's got a lot of charm to it. And then there was a sad teenager uh, romantic movie that came out for Valentine's Day last week, too, The In-Between. And of the three... I thought Marry Me was the most entertaining. And as I said, I like the fact that there was nothing cringy or contrived in it. It was just, what I said in my review was the difference between this movie and a box of Valentine chocolate is that Forrest Gump reminds us with chocolate, you never know what you're going to get. This is exactly (laughs) what you're going to get. But chocolate is still delicious. Good line. Good line, Nell. Good line. The line is better than the movie, by the way. I'm just wondering how Lifetime missed out on this. <laughs> you know, the other thing is it's one big infomercial, not just for Jennifer Lopez, who was plugging the movie hard over at the Super Bowl, but also for NBC, uh, which, you know, gets, you know, Jimmy Fallon and CNBC, everybody gets oh, plugged. Yeah. And Vitamix, for some reason, they were plugging Vitamix. Throughout really? The yeah. You know, speaking of romantic comedies and romance, on uh, I'm going to share something kind of personal. You all know my wife, Gina, mm-hmm. and she asked for Valentine's Day if we could sit down and watch Moonstruck. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And Good we show. and both of us have said 
It was the best Valentine's Day ever. And Moonstruck, to me, may be the the bar on uh, romantic comedies. Um, hmm. We uh, it, it doesn't get any better than that. And the casting there. is perfect. Everybody in it: Olympia Dukakis, Vincent Gardenia. Everybody is, oh, God. is you know, Danny Aiello, <laughs> and it is, and and every line in it is just a total banger. It's just it's a that speech that he gives is wonderful. It's mm -hmm. fabulous. It is a it is a perfect movie. Last night never happened and I'm going to marry him and you and I are going to take this to our coffins. I can't do that. Why not? I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. And it's hard to believe that the guy who wrote that movie first of all wrote Doubt, which is, uh -huh. you know, yeah. As unromantic a movie no. as ever, <laughs> and uh, and wrote a terrible romantic comedy that came out what last year that Irish one with Emily Blunt. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. 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 So wow. I don't know, I don't know what Angel kissed him to write Moonstruck, but it is a perfect, perfect movie. It it and also last week I watched broadcast news again, and I don't know why wow. I was just uh, you know fishing around it mm -hmm. came up i watched it and it mm -hmm. was delightful both of those mm -hmm. are 35 years old mm. wow so that's pretty good arts i like yeah. that the moonstruck story is really nice yeah uh, yeah best valentine's ever <laughs> so the oscars have announced their hosts i'm not sure who thought this was a good idea but i am hosting the oscars along with my good friend Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall. I better go watch some movies. What do we think? I, I, <laughs> um, wow. Um, I Take think, it away. I think that the Oscars uh, have worked basically the last several years without a host. And it worked for me. I think the fact, if you're gonna pick a host, I always like you to pick one. I don't like the multiple hosts aspect of the Oscars and every time I've ever watched a show when they've had multiple hosts it just feels a little disjointed unless they have really good chemistry or unless it's uh Tina Fey and Amy Poehler those two I could take mm -hmm. right but you know I, I think of the three of them Regina Hall is the one that I think is more of the outlier because I think she's funny in film I'm not sure how funny funny she is like she's an stand-up Right. Yeah, she's got a stand-up like Shula yeah. or Sykes. But now Wanda what do you is think? funny. I can't wait for that. Listen, what do you want from the host? You just want a killer opening monologue. And I can't think of anybody who could do better with that than Wanda Sykes. She is fearless and uh, she's hilarious. And I think she'll get things off with just the right tone where she will be very honest, but she won't go over the top. She won't uh, do the Ricky Gervais thing and you know hurt people's feelings so i think i think that's good uh i love the fact that they've got women running things they have and, diversity yeah and so i'm open-minded about it those are three ladies that i have a lot of faith in and uh I, I i hope they do a good job well let's dig down to the next question about the oscars is uh what's the position of the oscars now I think the position of the Oscars is, uh, I mean, we all know, and it's funny because, you know, I'm sort of in that space as well, that we know that viewership is down 
for right. a lot of these award shows. And I think there's always been a, a, a disconnect with the public, right? Like the three of us are all critics, right? And have been doing this for a minute, but we all know that we talk to people who are regular rank and file moviegoers. And they, they, you know, a lot of times they've never heard of some of the films that are nominated. They don't understand why certain films that they like during the year don't get the type of attention from Oscar. They don't really understand the difference between commercial and kind of these right. where's spider-man is what they're saying yeah where's spider-man at so i think that it continues to evolve i mean we're now living in a in, in year two of kind of like this pandemic where there are less movies being shown in theaters people are starting to get comfortable watching films at home so there's it's just a different expectation or at least that in my opinion that's kind of where we are you know i think that People don't understand that how distorted the system is for getting awards, that it's kind of like if the primary system existed and it was secret, and then all of a sudden you had these candidates <laughs> and you didn't know where they came from. And if the studio doesn't support a particular film, of my very favorite films from last year, very few of them were nominated because the studios didn't support them, not that they weren't good or they were small films. So for me, in terms of, where I would look for guidance about what movies I want to make sure to see. I look at the Spirit Awards or the Critics' Choice Awards. Those are movies, those are awards that come from people who actually have seen all the movies and not right. just the ones that come with the gift baskets. And so the, the, Oscars, the Oscars is just a distorted, it, it, it gets more, um, it, it's given more value than it really deserves. And I think you know, that is reflected in the, the reduced viewership of the Oscars. People are just not as interested in it anymore, partly because it comes so late in the year now. So, you know, I want to take this moment to mention that Tim has just done an extraordinary job in year 22 of his Black Real Awards, which I think are very significant. And as somebody who's been a participant, thanks to Tim, it's been such an honor for me for the last few years, We've come such a long way in terms of the range of opportunities of films to honor. I mean, you and I talked about uh, how that other uh, group gave, had to give their award to Norbit one year because that was the best they could come up with as a black film. That's like a worst movie ever made. But you know, you have done such a great job of seeking out this incredible selection. It was so hard to vote this year because there were so many great choices. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of these other awards groups are validity than the Oscars, which is the industry voting for itself. So it has to do with popularity. It has to do with politicking. So I think the critic group ones, uh, I think, are more significant. And can I just mention, Tim, that one of the people that you're honoring this year with the Ruby D Award is my boss, Chaz Ebert, and how thrilled I am about that. Yeah, I, it, it means a lot. And it's funny you would say that because when we have the show, when people see the lineup of presenters and honorees this year, um, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in awe because, again, now you know where we started this and, and where we are now. So when you're and talking about- And by the way, give us a plug, thing. Tim. Where can we see that show and when? Uh, February the 28th, uh, Monday uh -huh. night. It'll be at 8 p.m. Uh, it's on our site at blackrealawards.com. Uh, there will be a pre-show that will proceed at 7 p.m. hosted by Shereen Nicole, uh, along with Sean Edwards and several mm -hmm. other critics. But 
It's uh, it, it, coming from things. L.A. or from uh, D.C.? You're talking about where the show is going to yeah, be broadcast yeah, from. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're doing everything virtual this year, so oh, it'll good. all so be everywhere. online. So everything is virtual. Okay. Um, so, you um, have very distinguished presenters, Coleman Domingo. Yeah, we're honoring Lawrence Fishburne, Halle Berry, Suzanne DePass, Jazz Ebert, as you just talked about, and Nate Moore from Marvel. So it's going to be, it's a big show this year. It's a big show. And will you make up for the snub of passing? Passing was nominated for 13 Black Real Awards this year, uh, including Outstanding Pictures. So it's one of those films that I liked a lot. I just thought when I saw it that a lot of people wouldn't feel the same way. And Nell in the in the voting academy put people just and the arch you're a voter as well. You guys all voted for it. Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, just an exquisite film. And uh, and Chaz Ebert was one of the producers of the film, which is mm-hmm. one of the reasons she got that award. And so I, I love that she did that. And uh, and I love the journey that Rebecca Hall has been on uh, uncovering right. casting in yeah. her own family. So, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, uh, Ruth Nega, Tessa Thompson and Andre Holland, all spectacular performances. Yeah. Any notes on the Super Bowl, by the way, while we're talking about big uh, events? Any thought, any final thoughts? I, I Basically, thought, the halftime show. Yeah, I, I thought that the game the game was really really good. Um, but but the halftime show people people talked about it being the best halftime show of all time. It was one of the best. I still say that Prince back in two thousand and six or seven to me is still the best show they've ever had. But that was a really it was a really entertaining Sunday, uh, despite the fact that all of the early theatrics of a rock on the field. I like get off the field rock and let the game start. <laughs> so yeah, but I had fun with the Super Bowl this weekend. Well, I think, I mean, I, I think the Super Bowl is silly and I think that it is people put too much, put too much weight on it. So I mostly just watch the commercials and, and, and so I'm just going to say my response after watching the commercials of the Super Bowl is, if you have any cryptocurrency, sell it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, Nell, that was your takeaway, Nell. <laughs> and I'm just going to add that I've, I've given up on the commercials. I don't think they ever live up to uh, what the, you know, it's the, the commercials are the best part of the program. I, I just, I don't get it anymore. The I like the Larry David commercial. That one was funny. Oh, but the idea of bringing back the characters from old movies, I think, you know, has has oh, has overstayed its welcome. Although the, oh. the the Mike Myers one was pretty funny. You, you didn't like bringing back things. No, Sopranos one did not do anything. <laughs> Speaking of bringing back, <laughs> we are broadcast or sent out on Hound Radio, which is uh, headed by Mr. Lou Katz in the control room, making sure that we can be heard. And Lou. Tell us about our enabler. Well, Hound Radio has uh, several weekly features that we like to run, and one of our favorites is the World of Dogs feature with uh, former VOA um, newscaster Faith Lapidus, and she's talking about your dogs and winter games. Since there's still a few days left of the Olympics, check this out. Hound Radio pauses the music for another wonderful look into the world of dogs with Faith Lapidus. If the 2022 Olympics have inspired you to get out and do some winter games with your dog, have I got a list for you. Just getting outside is the first step. Hiking or a brisk walk with your pooch can provide exercise for both of you. And 
If you're up for something more challenging, how about dog skiing or ski-joring? It's basically cross-country skiing, but instead of a reindeer, you're pulled by your dog. Get more info on this sport online. For something a little slower, try nose work. Getting your dog outside to sniff the air or find treats that you've buried in the snow. Even better if your dog likes to dig. Snow is great for digging. It'll burn energy, and digging that hole will give them a feeling of accomplishment. Of course, your winter games don't have to be complicated. Even a run around your yard or a game of catch the snowball can be a gold medal event. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. Okay, uh, in this segment, uh, I think we need to take a minute and remember Ivan Reitman. Is that correct? Ivan Reitman, 75 years old. He's the guy that made Bill Murray, Bill Murray in the movies, put Bill Murray in meatballs. He uh, he turned uh, Ghostbusters, the song, into an earworm <laughs> the summer of 85 or 6, whenever that was. Uh, any thoughts on Ivan Reitman? Yeah, you know, it's often said that dying is easy, comedy is hard. And uh, and it is really, really hard to be as funny as Ivan Reitman was. And when you when you see, as Tim said, the lousy movies that come at this time of year, you appreciate even more the humanity that really was the engine behind his comedy, even in wild, crazy fantasies like Ghostbusters, which was very original at the time in the combination of fantasy and action and comedy uh you see that you know the characters you really care about them even the rick moranis character and he was a rare talent he was beloved by everybody and uh, of course his son is now a prominent director and uh it's just a, a very sad loss animal animal house nobody talks about uh-huh. animal house. <laughs> yeah <laughs> He made that to, to Nell's point, and, and I will say this with, with all the due respect comedy, of course, is subjective, right? And you know, I was just having this conversation with somebody this morning that there are things that people find funny that don't work for me. Mm-hmm. Reitman's films always hit me right in the funny every time, all the from Meatball, the Stripes. I mean, all these movies are severe, they're still funny now. And mm-hmm. you realize how hard that is, and all the bad comedies we have to watch. So, yes, hats off to, 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 to Ivan Reitman for a career uh, well-lived. And thank you, thank you for all that entertainment that you gave all of us uh, throughout your film career. Well, what shall we recommend for this weekend? What do you guys like? When people say, uh, what should I watch? What, what, what is your answer? This is funny. I get this question, and Nell, I'm sure you, you and Arch both get it a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm like, give me a genre. I mean, cause I'm watching everything. So you gotta tell, you gotta tell me kind of ballpark it for me and I can kind of give you some recommendations. Um, I'm watching a lot. I'm watching a lot. I mean, I don't know how, I don't have one particular thing I'm watching. Um, I'll well, give it if I ask you, just tell me one thing that will, uh, transport me this weekend. What would it be? Well, I'm going to say somebody somewhere uh the series starring Bridget Everett she is extraordinary in this I've seen her in a bunch of things I first saw her in the movie 
Patty Cakes, where she played the mother. She's mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. in real life, she's a nightclub singer and she does some singing in this, but she projects such incredible vulnerability and, and the intimacy of her performance in a slightly based on her own life as a woman whose life has kind of fallen apart and she goes back to live in her small town out in farmland. And I, I, I just am, am wowed by her performance. I think it's just fabulous. So somebody, and where can we find that? That somebody somewhere is streaming on I forget what. Oh, it's on the, it's on HBO, I think. It's on oh, pretty much okay, it's on HBO. Cool. Yep. It's it's streaming for somebody somewhere. It's streaming for somebody somewhere. <laughs> new, ep new episode Sunday night at 1030. The other day I stumbled on a new uh, uh, documentary about Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster. Wow. And uh, I, I, I loved it. And I think I paid uh, $2 and 68 cents to watch it and great old clips of everything Karloff did. And the other thing, uh, if you find the worst person in the world, it really is worth seeing. You two may have uh, screeners of it, mm. and uh, I would uh, recommend that. And Tim? Well, the, the one thing I was going to recommend, uh, I got an early screening, screening uh, uh, copy of the series, but I just looked and it's not out until March 11th, so you can't see it, so I can't recommend it this weekend. But when we talk the next time, the last days of... And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right. Is it Ptolemy Gray with Sam, Samuel L. Jackson? I've watched the first Ooh. several episodes of that. It's really, really good. Bridget, I'm old. And I seem like I can't remember nothing no more. I try to say what day it is. I ain't got a clue. Wow. Uh, from, from Walter Mosley. So oh, uh, but that's yeah. March 11th wow. on Apple. So my apologies. This, this happens a lot to, for us because we get stuff well in advance yeah. and have to screen it. So my apologies that people at home can't watch it this weekend. So you got to wait. And pay attention to uh, your Black Reel Awards. Black Reel Awards coming up. Um, February 28th. That should be interesting. It, it will be. So 20 nominations for the Heart of They Fall. Uh, breaking Black Panther's record from a couple of years mm. ago. So yeah. how many will how many will it take home? And that's going to be the big <laughs> question. El Minnow of RogerEbert.com. Thanks so much. It's always so much fun to talk with you. A pleasure. And Tim Gordon of Around Town, the Black Reel Awards, Lakefront Film Festival, and coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Tim, I miss you. Nell, I miss you. Thanks. I for miss being. you guys both. Really Blue Cats, thank you, and we'll be back next week. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.